You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphian Video for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. This episode is called The World in Chaos, as it was in the days of Noah. Our world has reached catastrophic levels of threatening, universal destruction and death. Increasingly calamitous and destructive occurrences far and wide threaten the welfare of mankind. Bible prophecy, however, promises that the Lord Jesus Christ will return to the earth with divine power to rectify the world's problems and he will rule as king, a righteous king. He would also establish a world government headquartered in Jerusalem and all nations, not just some, all nations will submit to Jesus Christ as king. Amen. Now, first of all, it is very important that we appreciate how important it is to watch. Now, the last prophetic words of the Lord Jesus Christ done while he was on this earth in the Olivet Prophecy in Luke 21, Mark 13, Matthew 24 ends with the warning to watch. And it's repeated again. He says, look, the fig tree will blossom forth. We've seen that, 1948. And then he says, watch. Watch, watch. And the next chapter, watch. It is critical that we be watchmen, my dear brethren and sisters, that might stir us up. Highly important. But you know, what do we need to watch? We need prophetic words. We need the prophecies of the scriptures. And then we need to see what's happening in the world. Now, very often people say that prophecy is the least important part of the word of God. Over a third of it is dedicated to prophecy. And other people, down through time, hearken to that prophecy and save their family. Take Noah. You think about it. Everybody was destroyed but he and his family. He went into that ark seven days before the, the flood came. Think of Lot. Again, he fled the city and saved him and most of his family. Take Jeremiah. He warned the ecclesia at that time, Ah, Babylon's going to come. He says the good figs will go into captivity. So they hearkened to him. And lastly, in the days of the first century ecclesia, the brethren were told by Christ, that when Jerusalem is surrounded with armies, flee. Seemed madness. But the siege was lifted for a moment, and they fled and were saved thereby. We need to be listening to the prophetic word and hearken that we might be saved and our family might be saved. It's critical. Well, what are the key signs? The key signs are that we're living in a time of great trouble. I'm not going to spend time on many of these quotes. You're welcome to take them down, but you know them well. Daniel chapter 12 speaks about, in verse 2, of the resurrection and judgment. 
But the verse before he says, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was. Jesus said in the Olivet Prophecy, there will be a time of distress on the nations and in perplexity, which means in the Greek, no way out. So things are going to be very difficult. Well, let's have a look at some of them. Now, take that Olivet Prophecy for a moment. Luke 21. Where was the, cry, the Lord's mind in the Olivet Prophecy? No less than five times he alludes to Isaiah 24. Five times he picks that up. So he says, now listen, you're living in the last days. You look at this, this chapter. Now, one of our key writers, John Thomas, wrote in the Herald, volume 11. He said this, my readers will remember the quotation from Isaiah 24, the earth being made empty and waste and utterly broken down. And then he says, after that, judgments come and Christ establishes his kingdom. So Isaiah 24 is very, very important. Look how it begins. You can ha you keep it open if you like and follow it, but verse 1, the Lord maketh the earth empty. Then verse 3, the land shall be utterly empty. Then verse 10, every house shut up, none allowed to go into another. What are we talking about? There's London in peak hour traffic. A few months ago when the coronavirus was rampant in London. There it is, peak hour time. We had a lockdown early this year, I think it was. But here's one of the main streets of Adelaide. You can see the traffic, can't you? Different to the cars normally, kangaroo. Staggering, isn't it? The streets were empty. And if it comes again, it will be again the same. Well, ladies and gentlemen, brethren and sisters, the world has suffered greatly. Look at the cases. There's the date. I took that this week. Cases over 248 million. Five million have died. In Australia, 1,700 odd have died. This week, one day, in Victoria, there were 1,000 cases. 1,343. And yesterday, the news said, they only had to use their ambulance. They were saying how good it was. 200 times in a day. Think of it. Staggering impact that we are facing. But what does the scripture say? That that problem will continue on after Christ returns. Not into the kingdom period, but in the transition period. He speaks of judgment in Habakkuk. Oh, sorry, let's take Ezekiel 38. We know that well. I will plead against Gog, Russia, with pestilence. Goodness me, look at what's happening in Russia at the moment. Like much of the world, but very, very grave up there. And then he goes on, and that's, course, at the point when they're invading the land. Then in Habakkuk chapter 3, it talks about the judgment seat of Christ. And then it speaks afterwards that the saints go forward who've got immortality 
And it's, rather than toting a sword, pestilence and plague. And then in Zechariah chapter 14, the kingdom is beginning to establish and those who fail to do what Christ requires, like not coming up to Jerusalem to worship the king, they will experience plague. So you can see it's going to continue. But now, thinking again of that chapter, Isaiah 24, in verse 2, it speaks to us of a very difficult time, very peculiar words. As with the maid, so with the mistress. As with the borrower, so with the seller. As with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the taker of usury. In other words, they're all at the same level. The rich and the poor. One of our early writers wrote in a book, Ezekiel's Temple, wrote over a hundred years ago on this quote, and he wrote three pages on it. And he says what it speaks of, all confidence in the money market gone, an economic collapse at the point of Christ's return on the nations. Well, you look at what's going on. They are very concerned. More on that in a minute. They are very concerned of what's going to happen. Look at this. Here's China. Here's the largest building company probably in the world. What have they done? Well, they're facing an economic crisis with that company. Massive. Much of the loan money for it came from overseas. You invest in China because it's going so well. And they then build houses enough to house, at the moment, they're vacant and could be housed all of the people of France, Germany, Italy, Britain and Canada. 90 million people could be housed in some of these vacant buildings they're built. And now they're worrying. The people who loan the money, saying we're going to withdraw our money. China is facing a difficult crisis. Difficult indeed. And now another company, building company, is facing a crisis too over there because people are moving their money out. It's very serious. As well as that, take America. The US default could cause irreparable harm, says the key people, the Treasury Secretary. Irreparable harm. They got together, the two parties, which don't usually agree, and agreed, we'd better raise some more money. We've got massive debt, but let's extend our debt a little bit more. And they said they'll extend it by, it's now capped at that, but they've extended it by another trillion. Staggering. And what they said was, the agreement will only last until December. Where are we going to go? What's going to happen with America? Will they be able to extend it further? I guess they will. Otherwise they collapse. But the situation is grave. Very grave indeed. Financially worldwide. But now come to another problem. Environment. You see, it's been global extremes. Up in Siberia, it reached 39 degrees centigrade. Have we had it this year? That's how much they got. The ice melted, the grass grew, fires burned out. And the fire that burnt through Siberia this year was twice the size of Portugal. So says Greenpeace. Think of it. Staggering. But it hasn't stopped there. 
USA, they say, Wikipedia said this year, they had a mere 44,000 bushfires or fires. Staggering. Here's the fires across Europe. But it's not just fires. Look at this. Floods in Belgium and Germany. Massive numbers of floods. It's 20, 220 people perished. Look, here's, there's the same place before. There it is afterwards. And then have a look at Italy just a few days ago. Look at the date. October the 7th. They got some rain. They got one feet, one foot in half a day. Something not seen in Europe before. Staggering figures. What do the Bible say? A time of chaos. Look, here's Australia. Have you ever heard of an earthquake like we have? was felt over in Victoria, felt in South Australia, felt even here in Adelaide. Staggering. We used to live in New Zealand. We felt some big earthquakes there. But not like this. That was quite reasonable. Well, yes, bigger than... This was not as big as New Zealand, but it was big. And here we had a storm the other day, South Australia. 100,000 lightning strikes, they said. I never saw them, but that's what they reckon. 120 calls out for help. 30,000 homes without power in South Australia and still in Victoria, 1,500 without light, electricity. Incredible situation, brethren and sisters, ladies and gentlemen. We're living at critical times. But let's take another angle. Suddenly there's a great hacking. They call it so big that it was equal in its consequences to Pearl Harbor into the defence and treasury of USA. It happened last year. And then suddenly we've got a pipeline going from Texas up here to New York. And suddenly it's not carrying any more petrol or oil. It's there, but it won't work. They tried for days and days and days. The, the city was just grinding to a halt. And they found out who did it, paid them at $3 million, and they lifted it. And then again, the meat works over in USA, also owned here in Australia. The huge meat works, JBS, we over here in Australia, it ground to a halt. We couldn't, the, the whole electronics wouldn't work. And we put off 11,000 people here in Australia for a time till we got it lifted. Yeah, the White House fixed it. They fixed all of those by paying out Russians. Russians. So they got the names of the Russians and they told Putin just a few days ago, asking him to capture them and do something with them. Nothing's happened. And probably nothing's likely to happen because I believe it's with the support of the Russian government. How vulnerable is Australia? How vulnerable is America? Incredible. We live in a time of trouble such as not was. Let's continue for that. This year, January, uh, June, that big naval manoeuvre, sea breeze they call it, off the coast of Ukraine to say to Russia, we will help Ukraine, don't invade. Don't invade. 32 countries went there. We, we, we sent a naval ship there. Don't know what we sent. We probably sent a rowboat knowing how much we've got. But be that as it may, we sent a ship there too in that manoeuvre. 
One month later, a huge manoeuvre took place off Hawaii. 20 Russian ships, along with jet fighters sweeping across the countryside. A little statement. Don't threaten us. We can do more to you. Just tie, be sensible in what you're doing. And so we can see the Pentagon was watching that and were extremely concerned over what had happened. Extremely concerned. Tensions raised as those massive forces built up around Hawaii. They're only a, a couple of miles away from the coast of Hawaii. The ships moving around with the bombers flying across. Staggering. But let's come on. Point two. Britain will ally with Europe, but not with the young lions. Proof? Ezekiel 38, verse 13. There it is. Tarshish, which we, we believe is Britain, will ally with the young lions like New Zealand, Australia, Canada and such like. Well, look at the quote that you've got before you. If you come back one page to Isaiah 23, there in Isaiah 23, there's 10 titles for Tyre. But one of the most dominant one is Tarshish. And we call that the power of Britain. And it says there, look at verse 14, Howl ye ships of Tarshish, for your strength is laid waste. But it doesn't last. Look at verse 17. And it shall come to pass after the end of 70 years. Now remember that, end of 70 years. That the Lord will visit Tyre, and she shall turn to a higher, and shall commit fornication with all the kingdoms of the world upon the face of the earth. And her merchandise and her hire shall be holiness to the Lord. So here it's talking about Britain. And what is it saying to us? At the end of 70 years, you're going to see something happen. Well, look at what took place. First of all, they just recently left Europe. We expected that. Dr. Thomas, Brother Mansfield, Brother Pierce wrote repeatedly of it, that they cannot be part of, Britain cannot be part of the EU. Can't be part of what we call the Ten Toes, the territory of the European area. So let's have a look at it. This man, at the end of the Second World War, decided that we've had two wars, let's stop it. The only way we can do it is Britain goes over to Europe and joins up with them in decision-making. So he's made that, that statement. Well, in May 1949, they joined the first economic type of alliance. It changed its name, it morphed. And one month later, they formed the EU, uh, the NATO, North Atlantic Treaty Organisation. Aim, Churchill's aim, to stop another war. So, remember, they join Europe. But we said because of prophecy that they cannot remain in Europe, right? Well, let's work it out. At the end of 70 years, January 2020, 70 years in about three, four months, and they moved out. They broke away from it. Here's Boris, who led that vote, and they came away from Europe. Exactly as we expected. It was fulfilling scripture before our eyes. So there's the situation that we see today. You know what it says in the script? 
in poetry, Britain rules the waves. Okay, Britain waves the rules. And it left the EU. All right, it left the EU. And there's the British line driving away. Well, things have changed dramatically for her as a consequence. That year, into her waters came less than no, 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 no less than 17 times Russian naval ships and they sent out their ships to escort them out. No less than 11 times they sent bombers, Russian bombers, over the top of Britain. Britain said, you do that again and we'll blow the, shoot them down. They said, you do it, that's fine. Each one of them carries an atom bomb. If you shoot it down, you cop the destiny of it, the consequence. So they didn't do anything about it. Well, things have continued that way. Here, Europe is very concerned. In fact, at the moment, they're talking about forming an army. They first began it when Ursula van der Leyen, lady who took over the EU, or the key person there who looked after it, said, we've got to be careful. Britain's left. And now we must activate our emergency powers. She said, look, this factory over here, this factory here, this factory here could produce weapons. We'll change what they're doing. We'll, they can produce weapons. We're going to take over. So the consequence was those people who owned it, maybe you, if you owned shares in it, what would you do? You'd sell them up, wouldn't you? Because it's going to be taken over by the country. You'd sell them up and get the cash. That's exactly what happened. But where would you shift your money? Would you shift it, keep it in Europe? This is what happened. The pound versus the euro. Look at the, what happened. Money poured into Britain. The Europeans got it out and poured it into Britain. And Britain began to prosper dramatically. Look at this fellow, Morrison. Not Morrison, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but anyhow, Prime Minister, I'll get back to it in a minute. Just, yeah, he, he took over, you see, didn't he? There's his name, Johnson, <laughs> Boris Johnson, and he's the Prime Minister of Britain. Look, he's really pleased because it's prospering. Look what he's saying. We're forming alliances all around the world. And if they come to pass, as we're signing up for, we're going to make £900 billion. And so they've joined up with 62 new trade alliances. Staggering. Staggering. No, it isn't. It's exactly what the scripture said. Fulfilling precisely. And here we are again. He's forming a new group, particularly. As the EU disintegrates, he forms this group. Look at the letters. Canada, Australia, New Zealand, United Kingdom. Kanzak. He's formed the... Commonwealth again. Brought them together. Well, he had it before, but more so. And here's the old lion with the young lions. Here's some of the prime ministers, various young lion prime ministers at that stage. So we can see the situation developing, can't we? Boy, the speed at which things are moving is utterly dramatic. As well as that, now we've said, well, he won't get French subs. We'll buy some from America and some built probably built partly in Britain. A new group's formed. There it is. That group there. AU, Australia, KU, UK, Britain, 
and USA. There's the group coming together and there's one of the subs, something like the sub that they're hoping to get. But look what the papers are saying. That group is a defence pack, an awkward wake-up call to Europe. They're pulled away. What does that mean? Europe's not being defended to the same degree by America, by Britain, and so forth. The situation looks very serious. Well, it's very interesting, just coming aside for a moment, we know this book, Exposition of Daniel, written by that gentleman, John Thomas, and he wrote quite repeatedly in that book of the fact that something going to divert the attention of the Western powers, what we might call NATO, from the direction we would expect, that is, toward the Middle East. Something's going to bother them. He didn't know what, but look what's been happening. What's bothering USA more than anything else? China. Our now biggest military threat, he says. That's China. And again, we are getting bothered by it because China's threatening to come to Taiwan and take that. And we're saying we're putting our army up here. Seven of our top divisions are now in the area of Darwin. We've peeled America to bring troops into there. The first lot was 2,000. We peeled again another 2,000. And a third lot, they haven't given the numbers. We're worried. And we've got every reason to be worried. Look, Tony Abbott went up to Taiwan and he said, my message to you is to get ready for a fight. It's coming. It's virtually inevitable. Here you are off the coast of China. Moving across you repeatedly is bombers and fighters from China. It's coming. It's inevitable, he said. Whether that's true or not, we don't know. But that's what he was saying. There is a real fear out there. And it's distracting America because America is saying we will defend Taiwan. So they pulled out of Afghanistan, one of the reasons, but more on that in a minute. Russia will ally with or conquer Europe. We know that from Ezekiel chapter 38, Daniel 11, Daniel 11 and so forth, that this is going to happen. Now going back a little, here's Mrs Merkel and Mr Putin. Very friendly. Why? Oil is the reason. And here she is. We're not going to pay for NATO. I'm leaving it to you. All very well a little while ago, but by gum, things are changing. 80% of the bill for NATO was paid by America and Canada and, and UK. So now the things are changing. And here's Mr Putin, the head, so to speak, and sitting upon the access of oil for Europe. Think about it. There's an election gone through in Germany. And the leaders, the key two leaders, say they'd like to rearrange their alliance with Russia. Angela Merkel's successor said, my sympathy is with Putin. This man here says, we've got to form a new policy with Russia. And over 50% of the people in Eastern Europe want to join up with Russia. Think of it. Why? Oh, well, they're getting a few planes flying over them like Britain does. No less, here we are, last year, 350 bombers and fighters went across Europe. 
350 times. And again, they warned, don't you touch them. They've got bombers, bombs, atom bombs on board. And so we can see the fear that is in Europe at the moment. Real concern. And Putin, therefore, wrote a little letter to them all. Says, about time you made partnership with us. Swap sides. Can't you see the sense of it? Look at America had to pull out of Afghanistan. That's so weak. Join us. And it's happened already to Belarus. The Kremlin is achieving its strategic goals in Belarus stealthily, steadily and methodically until it's fallen under the influence of Russia. Now more countries are under threat. First of all, going back one year, a pipeline into Poland, that one there, got cut by Russia. Oh, they've opened it up a little tiny bit now. You know, 10, 20% at the moment of gas going through it and oil. Only a little bit, but it's cut off. Now, they moved troops to the borders of Ukraine, through which the bulk of the pipelines in Europe go. They moved in 100,000 troops. Ukraine's trembling. 2014, they just lost 14,000 people fighting with Russia. They are fearful. But things have continued. So the leader of Ukraine flew over to see the Prime Minister or the President of the US saying, can we join NATO? He said, no. Would you help us? A little. A lot of confidence he got from that visit. And now, Russia's built another pipeline. There it is, the Nordic II. So there's plenty of access to get oil into Europe if he wants it. If he doesn't want to use Ukraine, he can use that. And you see, that's the point. He can cut now Ukraine, take control of it. Then Russia could cut the gas pipelines through the Ukraine to Europe and invade Ukraine. Won't matter. We've got the pipeline there. But they've been cutting back the supply through here. They haven't opened up Nordic 2. And they say they only will do so when Germany does what they want. So what's happening to the gas price? Ah, oh, it's gone up a little bit. It's gone up 600%. Look, I did a talk a couple of weeks ago on this. I said 420. Somebody came up to me and said, no, you're wrong. It's 600% now. Yes, it was. I checked it out. Staggering. They are terrified. Winter's coming. Will they get the gas to keep their houses warm? Run their stoves? Will they get the petrol for their cars? Russia controls all the gas pretty well. And all the petrol, except for one source outside of Europe. And that's not a big supplier. They can control all of it. The gun is at Europe's head. Make up your mind which way you're going or freeze. Things are looking extremely serious. And across the English Channel, Britain has had to close down 5,000 odd um, petrol stations. Why? Because they can't get the fuel to their petrol station. Predominantly, they're short of drivers. European people used to come into Britain and 
not a small wage, they would drive for them. Now they had a problem. They didn't have the drivers. So where did they go from? You've got to be a very skilled driver in Britain to be allowed to drive a petrol tanker. So they went to somebody else who could drive tanks. They went to the army. And out of the army they got drivers to open up the petrol station. But now they're fearful. They haven't got enough drivers to bring food and presents and such like for Christmas into the supermarkets. They're going back to the army. Where's Britain's army? On the streets. Are they available to defend the country? Little. Can they help in the Middle East? Little. Let's move on. Where's America getting its oil from? This, look at the date, but this is what the situation is this year, and this comes from a magazine called The Oil Price, and it's saying Russia is supplying the second largest quantity of oil for Britain, uh, for America, the Western seaboard. They're offering it cheaper than the Middle East. So why don't you accept it? And they did. So to blink, Russia could cut off much oil coming into America. Staggering scene. They're using this tool. Now come back to Europe. Look at the date, September. September 11th to the 16th, they moved 200,000 troops to the borders of Europe like that. And they haven't gone home. Very intimidatory. It's the biggest manoeuvre seen in 40 years on the borders of Europe. Staggering. And now, moving away from that, maybe, we can come to Putin himself. He is saying the next thing is a catastrophic war in the Middle East. There's where we're going to have it. And he said that two years ago, almost. And so the scene is looking very, very critical. And in order to prepare for that, Russia's already moved. Within two weeks of it being voted back into power, he moved troops into there. Why there? Well, one of the key suppliers of oil comes from the Caspian Sea. Five pipelines into Europe. He can cut off his oil from himself, from Russia. He can stop the oil coming from Norway. He moved 380,000 troops against it about two, three years ago up on the Arctic Circle, did manoeuvres on the borders of Norway. Norway knows, don't cross Russia. He has got control of Libya. They supply oil. He can close the Suez Canal. We'll talk about that later. He's got access to all of the supplies of oil pretty well to Europe. In a blink, he can switch it off. So he moved into Armenia. So another good reason why he moved in there, Israel gets 40% of its oil from there. So the situation is critical. This bigger area here is the area of Tagama, which the scripture says Russia will control. And so things are moving. What about Turkey itself? Ha! Well, Erdogan went up and saw Putin only a few weeks ago. And Almost immediately, planes came in loaded with weapons. NATO was furious, utterly furious. And Erdogan said this, we'll send home your ambassadors then. Oh, they went quiet. They went quiet. 
Turkey indeed looks like it's right on the border which way it's going to go. With Russia, we'll stay with the West. What about the Pope? Well, he must become the mother of harlots, doesn't he? That means he controls other religions. Muslims, Christians must unite, he says. Did that this year at Ur, Ur the Chaldees. Then he went in contact to the Russian Catholics and called upon them to be united together. Then he talked about he contacted the Lutherans. He said, after all, we all hold the same triune God. Let's be joined together. So there's a mother of harlots. And the scripture says she's corrupt. In fact, at the moment, there's a British court case going on over property being held in London by the Pope. They've got 4,000 properties in Italy, no problems. They are Catholics. But over in Britain, they start to muck around with their properties and they have a corruption case against them. Well, that's exactly what the scriptures would indicate. But Israel must dwell confidently. Now, please bear with me because I'm moving quite quickly. There's so much to do. Well, she must dwell confidently. Safely is the word confidently there in Ezekiel 38. Used four, three times there. Okay. She was one of the fastest countries in the world to vaccinate. They were doing it at 224,000 a day. So people in America, Jews in America, got on their plane and migrated to Israel. Immigration increased. A lot safer here than America. So that's what happened. But over there they had war, as we know this year. And by the way, almost everything I'm doing tonight is this year. They had a war between the Gaza Strip and Israel. And Russia saw it. Putin had a few words to say. His troops were on the borders of you know, near Damascus, on the borders of Israel in Syria. And he said, you keep this up, we'll invade. And he said it again. You keep it up, more people in Gaza die, we'll invade. Pretty scary. Anyhow, a new government got elected. Here's the man. You've probably seen pictures of him quite a bit now. Mr. Bennett, and he had this to say. If you want to know that the land does belong to us, there's a book written about it. It's called the Bible. Turn to that. You'll find it there. He's quite religious. And the Bible did say, in Ezekiel 37, six steps till one king shall be king to them all, Christ. Six steps. All those steps except the last two, have happened. Not the one before. There'll be one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel. There's the West Bank, which is mainly the mountains. And what's going to happen? Mr. Bennett and his way? Oh, we're going to build another 1,300 settlements shortly. We're going to take over properly that area. That fulfills the last step if it happens. And it might happen after Christ has returned before the Battle of Armageddon. Time is super, super short. Now, Russia and Iran are on Israel's border. That we understood, don't we, from Ezekiel chapter 38, that there we can see Iran plus Russia, Prince of Rosh, Meshach and Tubal, on the borders 
of Israel. Well, 2015, Russia moved a few ships, there are a few of them, to a port in Syria. They improved the port, there's the little port. They've upgraded it since then. There it is. They brought in massive amount of equipment. And now they're right on the borders of Israel. Right on the borders of Israel. Between them is only a small buffer zone of United Nations forces. Only a small buffer zone. Virtually they're right there also on the Golan Heights. Well, what's been happening? Well, we know that America pulled out of Afghanistan. And there's been a change taking place. Remember that the silver is the bronze, the silver is that empire, the bronze is the Grecian empire. But have a look. Afghanistan. Afghanistan. It's got to be part of it. And it was. Or is now. It's allied to Russia. We know what? The day the Americans said that they'd pull out, these chaps flew to Moscow. The day before they were all gone, straight away, flew to Moscow. Moscow, Taliban site, military gains in Afghanistan. We want to unite with you. We're going to unite with you. Russia's interest in involving itself more deeply in the region of Afghanistan. So there it is. Amazing. Just in a blink it happens. And now in Iran or Persia as we know it, this chap is now ruling. They call him the butcher of Iran. They reckon he's arranged for the hanging of no less than 3,000 people who he didn't want. Brutal. No compunction to act brutally. That's what we can see leading Iran at the moment. Now, Iran is building nuclear weapons, flat out. There are 10 of their sites. There's a few of the bases. And they're threatening to attack Israel. This is what they aim to do. Hit Israel. Here's some of these missiles. Some of them are ICBMs. They can go intercontinental. Could go right around the world. But they certainly are aiming first and foremost to Israel. And so, what's happening? Iran has attacked Azerbaijan up here. Why did they attack it? Because it's an ally to Israel. And in the fight a little while ago, when they fought with Armenia, before Russia moved in, they offered Israel, because of, in thankfulness, two airports in this area. And it would appear that Israel wants to keep those. There's only 500 kilometres to Iran. They won't have to worry about refuelling their planes. Fly them up there and then in there. We don't know if that's what they're going to do, but that's possible intention and they're extremely worried because Iran in early August said or the Israelis said in 10 weeks they can have an atom bomb well it doesn't look like they've got there yet but now articles are coming out before the end of the year they will have it they will have it so the concern is huge and so Israel is planning to do something like that attack Iran. They've got to. Well, they'll be eliminated. They've got to move. And so Bennett went across to the United Nations and he said to them, listen, you've got to understand, 
we get, you can either live with a nuclear Iran, so long as we live, or bomb it. And so the intention is that they will bomb it. Iran crossed the red lines on the nuke weapons, says Israel. It's gone too far already. We must act. But now, come aside from that. We know Israel at the moment is doing huge aerial practices in the air. They put aside 5 billion rubles to buy weapons from America, brought in from America special bunker buster bombs only in the last week or two. They're flying over there. Other countries are helping them. Britain has sent planes in because they can see the danger they're in. It's hugely grave, the situation. They're terrified of what Lebanon might do to them. The Lebanese Hezbollah have over 150,000 missiles facing Israel. So the situation is very serious. But I want to come aside to another serious problem now. See there, there's the Persian Gulf. Iran had put aside about a billion of their money and built a 700 kilometre pipeline, here it is, to the Indian Ocean. Why? Crazy. Cost them a fortune. They load the ships up here and sail them out. To load them there doesn't save much, does it? Why in the heck would you build that? Because they want to bypass the Persian Gulf and the Straits of Hormuz. Here's the problem. Iran, Russia and China are talking about doing a major naval manoeuvre in the headwaters of the Persian Gulf and the Red Sea the end of this year. Out of that comes much of the oil that goes by water shipped into the world. It's the largest waterway for shipping oil in the world. We get 84% of our oil from there. If it's closed, you've got about three weeks and the cars won't be driving. And so, Iran, Russia to hold a joint manoeuvre here at the end of this year, start of next year. They're not quite sure whether it'll be there or the end of this year or early next year. But a huge naval manoeuvre. Now, one of our writers wrote about a, a manoeuvre in the Persian Gulf, a major manoeuvre. Here he is, John Thomas. He found it very difficult to understand and so he wrote little about it. But it's in El Israel, Exposition of Daniel, Eureka, and it lengthily in the Old Herald when he hassles with the wording. He said, it's really crazy, I can't understand why Britain will involve herself to try and keep open the Persian Gulf, the Tarshan countries. Because he says, out of it comes camels and donkeys in his day. Of course, we know today, much of the oil comes from there. It is really very serious. Well now, lastly, the Gulf states ally with Israel. There we see Sheba, Dedan, aligning with Britain and Israel as well as that Edom, Moab and Ammon, Jordan. We expect them to be allied together. And with the work of Trump, the Abraham Accord came. All of these countries in the Middle East are more afraid of Iran. And so they're swapping sides. They're saying, who's going to care for us? 
America doesn't look like it's going to help. America doesn't look like it's going to help. We'll go and join with Israel. And so, in 2002, those countries joined. They were saying they might soon. Here's the pictures in dark colours, those who joined. And now, since that time, America has moved out its missiles out of Syria, out of Saudi Arabia. Why? They need them for Tehran. Tehran, a distraction from the Middle East. So they moved out. And then America said, look, the best thing is make formal ties with Israel, Saudi Arabia. You'll be okay that way. Join up with Israel. That's exactly what the scripture says. And have a look here. Here's United Arab Emirates. They're over here. They get their oil there. And look where they're sending it now. If they're sending it to Europe, they're not sending it anymore through the sewers. Why? Because Russia's on the sewers. More on that in a second. And they're sending it through Israel. Bringing it out through Ashkelon. Pumping it across the land there. As well as that, Bennett got, went over. The first place he went to, as soon as he came into power, went across the border to Jordan. Jordan had a drought, as Israel did. But Israel makes drinking water out of the seawater quite cheaply, it seems. So they said, we can handle it. So you can have a bit more of the Jordan River. Jordan was very pleased about that. And then he went down to see the Egyptians. Exactly as what we would expect, brethren and sisters, young people, my dear friends. Exactly what the scripture says. And there we are. Now, come back to Qatar. People are starting to change where they are. Qatar's over here. That's an oil-rich country. America had a biggest base in the Middle East in Qatar. They moved it like this and brought it to Jordan. We expect the Tarshan powers to be allied to Jordan. And indeed it is. They moved their biggest military base to Jordan. There's the date, July this year. Staggering what we're seeing happening. But also Libya and Ethiopia must be allied to Russia. Ethiopia, today Sudan and Ethiopia, must be allied to Russia. Look what we see first of all. I want to come to um, Egypt. 2019, a huge meeting took place between many of the African countries. 43 representatives from Africa came up under the umbrella of El Sisi, the Prime Minister. They met with Putin. But before he went home, he said to Mr. El, El Sisi, he said, the Prime Minister of Egypt, he said, I'll build a big base here on the Suez Canal. Here it is. We're going to build it there. It's called the Suez Canal Economic Zone. It's going to cost us $7 billion, and we will employ 35,000 Egyptians. Oh, the Egyptians said, good. We like that idea. The thing is, that going along the edge of the Suez Canal is oil pipelines. When Saudi Arabia exports its oil to Europe, it brings the ship up to the Suez. It's too deep. It can't, it can't go through the Suez. They pump the oil along the side of the Suez Canal 
into ships in the Mediterranean, then send them to Mediterranean. That facility being set up or built there in a blink can stop Saudi Arabia's oil going into Europe. Well, Scripture says they'll control Libya. Russia calls for deeper military ties with Libya. Here's the leaders of Libya in Moscow talking together. And out of that area comes large quantities of oil into the Middle East, into Europe. But Russia's got control of it, the bulk of it. And they could switch it off tomorrow. Europe's in a deadly position and a difficult position. Now come a little further south. There's Sudan. Russia says they want to build a military base in Sudan. But let's look at what the scripture says. Persia, Ethiopia is the Hebrew word Kush. The people of Kush migrated from about where Iraq is today, many, many years ago, hundreds, thousands of years ago, into this area. So there we are, the area of Kush, where is it? It's there. Two different maps are the same thing, but it involves Sudan and Ethiopia. Cross both of them. So Marsha's wanting to ally with them. Guess what? There in Sudan, Russia plans to establish a naval base. Already they've got one in Ethiopia. They can close the Red Sea, the southern side. So Russia, which Saudi Arabia, which pumps oil across here, sends it out there or here, will not get it out lest they've got the support of Russia. Boy, the situation is incredible. Where are we going to get our oil from? That's a burning question. Well, by way of conclusion, Daniel 11 says this. He shall stretch forth his hand. He's talking to the king of the north, a title of Russia. Also upon the countries and the land of Egypt shall not escape but he shall have power over the treasures of gold and silver. So for some economic reason. Incidentally, the some of the largest gold mines in the world are held in Egypt under Russian control. They own them. They don't tell you how much they're getting out, but it's some of the richest mines in the world. I don't think it's just gold and silver. I think it's an economic financial reason for which they come down. And no doubt... Oil is the key thing. We'll have power over the treasures of gold and silver and over all the precious things of Egypt. And the Libyans and the Ethiopians, as we saw, shall be at his steps, strong concordances, companions with Russia. My word, that is happening. But now, way of conclusion, let us remember what we've seen and remember what Jesus said before he ascended or the angel said, when he ascended into heaven. He said unto them, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptised shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. It's critical, ladies and gentlemen, brethren and sisters, that we fulfil those terms. Three essential steps to salvation, and the time is super short. Believe the gospel. The good news that is found within the scriptures about the kingdom of God and the way in which Christ's death, burial and resurrection can save us. And then be baptised 
And having done so, continue faithfully. And if we do do that, then we will be in his kingdom. The time is super short. The time is right to act. So finally, Romans chapter 13 verse 11 has very appropriate words for us. Now it is high time for you and me to wake out of sleep. For now is salvation nearer to us than when we first believed. Yes, let us respond. Let us be people of prayer and study. Always attended at those meetings, building ourselves up in the word of God and preparing ourselves for the return of Christ. The days are super short. Let it be that we are awake and believing. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.